Welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. There are four of us around the table for this extremely upbeat QPR podcast, at least in comparison to the ones in recent weeks. So with me is my uh, esteemed long-term podcast colleague, Paul Finney. Are you keeping well? Hello, Paul. Hello, David. I am keeping well. How about you? I'm as dandy as a dog up a tree. and is a dog up trees happy? I would presume okay. so. Uh, we also <laughs> okay, good. You're happy. We also have Flo Lloyd Hughes here with us. Hello. After a four week hiatus. Yeah, so I came back from Australia 18th of March. Was came on the 19th of March. So since then, yeah, it's been nearly four weeks. So busy lives we all lead, but returned Indeed. just in time. Sorry, I keep putting my cup down, don't I? And disturbing the audio. I apologise for that, Neil. You're shaking your head there. Uh, we also have for his third appearance, is that right? Third Alan Charles. Indeed. Yes, hello. Welcome back, Thank Alan. Um, yeah, we've got a really weird one to talk about. This odd, odd, odd happening that went on down at Loftus Road on, on Saturday, like the X-Files or, or something. But before we do that, let me just go through the usual things that we need to go through. Before that, let's take a moment to kind of acknowledge that we are mass, we are QPR fans, but we're all football fans. And f- four out of the five of us, if we include Neil, are rather keen to get this done before 8 o'clock. We're recording on Tuesday night. Rather keen for us to get it done before the Man United game starts. I could give Paul, you couldn't give a monkey because in your world it's QPR, the team in Northern Ireland, and that's it. No, not really. It's just I have no interest because they'll play each other again next year and the year after that, the year after that, the year after that, the year after that. Boring. Carry on. So this will, it's now 10 past seven, so you actually have a guarantee that this podcast will not be longer than about 48 minutes from here. But before we get on, before we get on to everything else, um, first of all, um, thank you very much to our beer sponsor for this week, which is Jamie Butler. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to everyone who has supported us and does support us throughout the season. Um, and just a reminder to everyone, we, we really... Um, we take on board kind of everything that's said to us on Twitter and Facebook and all the comments and all the feedback. We read it all, um, and it's really important to the development of the podcast. So please keep all that coming. The key things to remember are you can go on our website at qprpod.co.uk, follow us on Twitter at qprpod, find us on Facebook. Right, that is it. Three of the four of us were there on Saturday. Flo, you weren't there. No. Terrible, awful excuse for not being there, which was... My brother was getting married. Congratulations to your brother. Is he a QPR fan? He is, yeah. We have a WhatsApp group, which is all my many brothers and my boyfriend, and it's basically a QPR WhatsApp group. And we were getting ready for the wedding, and I knew the game had kicked off, but it was only about five minutes in, and then suddenly the goals kept pouring in, and I couldn't believe it. So I texted my brother and said, no offence, but... Well, he's in the group. I said, Ben, no offence, but this is kind of annoying because we're actually missing quite a good game for once. And that's the sort of game... Obviously, you guys are actually there, so you'd be able to comment, but those are the sorts of games that make 
or a lot of the kind of pain and suffering worth it? Because you think, yeah. oh, that was fun, and it was quite sunny, and it was quite nice. So to not have that sort of slight lift, uh, yeah, is frustrating, especially as the game I'd gone to before that was the Bolton game. So that was a real low. So I could have could have done with that sort of pick-me-up. But... Weddings are also nice, a lot of love in the air, but um, yeah. Congratulations, by the way, on your brother getting married, not on the 4-0 win. (laughs) Um, The best way I can describe what happened on Saturday was my nine-year-old daughter came. She hasn't been for about three years, and the last time she came, the only time she's ever came were under duress, and she's asked to come back on Friday. So if that is not kind of duping a whole new generation... (laughs) into thinking this is what goes down every week and come back, I don't know what is. But I'm really looking forward to Friday because my other brother who's over f- from America for the wedding is coming to his first game in probably a couple of years. So I'm just oh. hoping QPR put on a good show. That's your first mistake. Paul, yeah. <laughs> you have not said anything for the first few minutes of a podcast for potentially the first time since we've started doing these podcasts. So tell us what you thought about Saturday. First of all, I, I, I'm thinking what I'm going to say. That's what okay. I'm saying. Well no, done. I, I thought I heard a noise. I just... <laughs> Thanks. Um, Sorry. The, um, the, the Norwich game, obviously, last week we were all down and the podcast was kind of like sponsored by Gillette and everyone just felt like, you know, it was really bad. We just thought it was, and then just got a text at about 15 minutes into the game like, from my daughter just saying, like, we support the weirdest football team ever. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of think it's true. Like, you know, Norwich was so bad. Everything that was so bad about Norwich was so brilliant on Saturday. You know, our movement, Skyrim was amazing. Um, I actually put Freeman in the shade, I thought, big time. Mm-hmm. Um, Donnell Furlong, like we said a couple of weeks ago, is a much better centre-half than he is a right-back. I think the conversion to centre-half is a must for him because he was absolutely superb on Saturday. Didn't get a lot of love on the internet, but I thought he was amazing. Had an absolutely cracking game. Um, Hemed, now anyone that says they, they saw that coming is an absolute genius and a wonderful human being because I didn't see that coming in a month of Sundays. He was immense. It was almost like, that's why we signed him. That's a player you've always been. He was that warrior that McLaren was talking about, wasn't he? You do wonder why he didn't do it. Was he not fit? I, it just clicked. Maybe it's... Because he's, he's broke the rule book. You know, normally when we get a bad loan... They go back to the parent club, then they get loaned out again, and they do really, really well. Yeah. He's kind of blotted the copybook by actually doing well while he's still here, which I don't think is acceptable, and we, we should point that out to him. Um, and I think if he carries on like that, then he could be, obviously wages are high, he could be one that could maybe stay for, again on loan next season, I don't know, but if he plays like that... So, so I mean, interesting about Hemed, my, um, my dad and my uncle, who were 90 and 87... Um, when they saw the team sheet, went, Hemet, he's a passenger. Mm. And then when he scored, my dad turned around, he went, told you he was all right. An interesting conundrum there. Me had an eye guard moment like that once. He was um, nigh guard away, I think it was Leicester when he scored that volley. Mark uh, Nygaard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was absolutely slaughtering him. And then, half, and then as he, no, Nygaard, goal! <laughs> he's like, knew he had it in him. But as, it's, it's football, isn't it? We, you know, we often get criticised for being fickle. You're not fickle if you're football. You, you're absolutely distraught when you lose and you're absolutely happy as Larry when you win. It's, it's Obviously, I only saw the brief highlights, so the YouTube and whatever was on the Quest show, which actually is quite good, which I've only just started watching. Okay. But anyway, um, what was the situation with 
the build-up play towards the game because I mean towards the goals because we actually only had twenty eight percent possession. Yeah. And the Hemed's first goal was just Lumley lumping it, lumping it up the pitch. So not that I'm criticising at all that we won four nil. That's brilliant. But was there actually any kind of um, build up or positivity or creativity or was it just ones that were so bad no, no they weren't so bad first goal I've got no idea someone tell me about the first goal because it was so early I, I, I missed it from it. a corner I think wasn't it was it? Um, yeah and, um, Darnell, Darnell just got it in. in front yeah. of the defender it was a good bit of pressure uh, it was yeah. I was surprised it was, but I, I, I see I'm old Flo I'm old school. I mean, I don't care about stats because at the end of the day, who puts a ball in there the most times is going to win a game of football. And I didn't realise if that's true, fair enough, but we seem to break up a lot of their players. It didn't feel like no. we it's only had 28%. Yeah. That was a real shot. I think Sambi was really good as well. He used, he used himself really well. I, t- I tell you what they did differently, and I wonder whether they learnt from the Norwich game. Because if you watch the Norwich game... Norwich's domination was based on their movement off the ball, and there was mm. a lot of movement off the ball on Saturday, and that was that I think made the big difference. Do you think people so? were making okay. themselves available? Well, they wanted it. It's kind of like yeah. you, you're thinking. I mean, Skern. I mean, I, I did think once he got booted, he'd be off. You know, mm. it's, it's kind of because mm. he was flying in. But then, if that's his game, that's his game. But not only was he doing that, he was t- doing the corners as well, which is an interesting change, mm. taking Freeman away. But still, didn't. Um, well, the corners were, were better. We scored from one, so it mm-hmm. worked. Um, but the thing is, he seemed to have a lot more confidence in each other. And even when Pavel came on as well, he, he seemed like he was more up for it and, mm-hmm. and was, was doing a bit of a name before he was like jumping in front of everything and, and trying to close. And, and that's, all you want is people to wear the shirt and try, whether you win, lose or draw. That's all you can ask for. And they did it in buckets, which makes you wonder why. Because we were talking about this the other day. If you speak to people at the club, or anyone that has anything to do with people at the club, I should say, the... Um, it wasn't like McLaren lost the dressing room. Everyone says he didn't lose the dressing room, even in the press and everything else. Mm. So you, you do wonder why they didn't do it for him. I think if I think about the possession, and now I'm, I, I, we have a lot of people come on this podcast who can read a game extremely well and know their tactics extremely well, and I'm not one of them. No, mate. But we were so far ahead so early it kind of like it was almost like we've now got yeah. this game mm. wrapped up really, really early within within ten minutes or twelve minutes or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and so perhaps that's the reason why Swansea were then chasing the game and then we could kind of control it because it did feel like we were. Uh, the, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. It did feel like we were in control. It didn't feel like we were chasing shadows, but I think that's perhaps why like Swansea then were very anxious from about 10 minutes in and trying their best and perhaps the I don't maybe our game plan went out the window but had had a positive net effect versus kind of what it usually does you actually, but you do have to remember that the game was basically mm. over even for us and the that's, game was that's over Swansea's by thing three. as well for the last decade they've been a kind of fancy possession team and I think in the championship that doesn't necessarily get you very far yeah. and we've never been aside for doing that certainly in my lifetime so um, I think it's interesting I think it just proves why the championship is such a good league because you get results like that when a team mm-hmm. like QPR is just being destroyed by Norwich completely and utterly embarrassed mm. uh, and then get a good draw against Millwall um, didn't go to that game, but it sounded like nothing much really happened apart from Lynch getting himself nearly sent off for the millionth time. time. Um, so, yeah, interesting. So, so, so two things before we go to the interview. Three things. That flick, 
That is a flick. Mm. Mm. Nice little flick, that, don't you think? Yep. Where did that come from? Um, I wanted to ask you about the two fullbacks. Um, Manning at left back looked very good. Very interesting, yeah. I like it. It works for me. He looks better than Bidwell, I'll have to say. He's he's in the right place most of the time. He reads it. I think Scanning's a a great player. He's... um, he hasn't really been given a chance. I mean, he brought him back alone, didn't let him play, but he, he, he wouldn't have thought he was a normal midfielder. And, you know, he, he did that really well. And just, sorry, the other one. Rangel. Jesus, I think he was a bit, a bit unhappy with the Swansea he picked mm. the ball out. So. His Twitter is so good. He's been trolling a lot of the Swansea fans the past few days after what happened. Strange thing to do, that. It's so you've random. been at the club for so long. So random, I don't know why. pretty much got a job it. for life there if yeah. you play it. I think right. I think what he's doing <laughs> just trolling them all. <laughs> I, I think you'd, I think you'd do the same thing if you were there long enough. You, you know the club, you know the people who who matter to you, and it's obviously these people who are going to have a go at him regardless. And if they had a one, then no doubt be trolling him. So he's just he's just repaying the compliment. So also that whole situation with the Bryce Samuel tackle and was he they didn't kick the ball out and then Ranghell got a bit. Um, angry about it that is football teams don't kick the ball out because they want to convert they want to have an advantage I was kind of when I because I was listening to it on the radio on the QPR player radio thinking you know what that's just that what that's what happens every week and QPR would be doing the same exactly same thing at the Liberty Stadium so it was it felt a bit phony um, Rangel's like sort of um annoyance and anger because I thought mm, you're, you're trying a little bit too hard now to sort of prove how much you want it for QPR because we're kind of in a nothing position here like we all know you're really enjoying your time but you don't need to get really aggy about the small things because then you got booked for that whole situation so seemed slightly over the top but that's just my opinion I'm a bit of a cynic and I think in football you've got to take any advantage you can even if that's not kicking the ball out is what it is now <laughs> well I mean I, you know I, I disagree um, I think he did get generally wound up because he was he, he was it went on for quite a while and he was saying they should have kept the ball. And whether Bright Salmon was as injured as we thought is the issue. Mm. But yeah, people don't kick the ball out, and it does annoy me when someone goes down and do kick the ball out. But mm. if someone's genuinely injured, which is usually a head injury, so you can see it. So players tend to know if someone's really bad. Yeah, injured. the head ones, it's so um, obvious, and, and leg ones and stuff, and they will do the decent thing. But you know, and Gail just you know, but you've got to remember as well, like you know. When we played up there and that, there, he probably took a lot of stick. So he's, he's carrying that with him as well. <laughs> um, and um, he looked generally, I don't think it was put on, he, he looked generally annoyed. He looked like, hang on a second, I know you guys, I know you're better than that, why are you behaving like this? But, you know, teams like that, you say, but there's, there's too much of that, isn't it? I mean, someone falls down, and it's, it's, the other teams the other week um, against us, falling down all the time, uh, Preston, mm. and everyone's going mental and saying, oh, it's disgusting, there's nothing wrong with them. So you can have it both ways, maybe. Mm. You know, but his motivation may well be that you know he knows that team well, so he can get away with more. And if his motivation is to get the Rangers team fired up, then it, it, was, it was it worked absolutely. absolutely. Worked. He actually, yeah. it was more like a, an action of the captain. I haven't seen at QPR for a long time. I know he wasn't captain, but mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at that, I actually it's that experience that, yeah. that he brings yeah. as well. But it did give it up. He's like, "Come on, let's fight for this." I mean, we're all you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're winning and whatever. But he was like, "No, come on, this isn't good enough." And that's all you want is fight and commitment. Obviously, he wants a contract. And to be honest, the way he played Saturday, he, he, he could probably get one on merit, regardless mm. of what happens, because he was absolutely superb. And he also totally put your man off his game. He didn't know what to do. And their midfield was all over the place, because Scullin was just so quick into everything, read everything so well. 
probably the best. I mean, we had four players in the championship team of the week. I mean, that's yeah, never that's happened. You know, so I think... Hemed got a 9.9 by those who scored, guys. I couldn't believe it. 9.9? He got 9.9 9 <laughs> ranking. I mean, like you said, who would have thought... 9.9 is probably oh, no, they're on, the they're top. On, they're on Twitter. Who would have thought that Hemed, after the reviews <laughs> that we've been giving him on this podcast and on social media, that is just... I know as people said, I, I knew he was that player. I knew the no fans way. were always wrong. People always did, oh, I knew he was better than Gosh, that. I, we know, and we all know he is a We knew he player. was better than yeah. that. That's fair to but say. We yeah. Could, yeah, but we didn't know that performance was going to come. If anyone no. you'd expect it from Naki Wells, because he's, he's got to get a club in a few months, regardless mm. of whatever happens, because he's got no future at Burnley, seeing this, he could really get it, which they won't, because God, if probably get really good at it. So, no. Well, that's going on tonight, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so I think, to be fair... It wasn't so much about the individuals on Saturday, it was the actual team performance and the team performance at QPR I've been looking for mm-hmm. possibly for about a year and a half. So on the before we go to the call, which I'm conscious mm. we do have to do, on the spectrum from between from useless to Eustace, uh, where is where is the manager? You've been working it all day, haven't at the you? moment. Yeah, I've got up early to think up that one this morning. Did you really? Yeah. Is he currently John Eustace or John Useless? Uh, he's 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 in a job and see what he does from now on. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't give it to him on the basis of that result. That would be no. that'd be typical QPR behaviour. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I fully expect him to get the job now. And but you know, no, but well done, well done. It's to like him. Scott Parker getting the job after that win over Everton. That was exactly the same situation. Yeah, dire for weeks, and then you win one game. Oh, and suddenly you're Fulham are doing it by the book, aren't they? How not to get promoted? How to behave when you don't get promoted? From spending shade, all that money, shade to, to QPR in that. Yeah. They're actually the managers. They're actually doing worse than us. They're actually at least we appointed no numbies. Yeah. You know, yeah. good old Harry. What's he up to? Uh, just, just, just a completely independent. I think the Man United fan said to me yesterday. We were talking about Fulham, talking about QPR, and he said unprompted. He said they are a smaller club than you, Fulham. I don't care who's bigger, who's smaller. Who's oh, better. you do. You definitely do. <laughs> no, it was quite interesting though because we always we kind of would like to think that. You know, I think, sort of I think we're all small clubs well, <laughs> compared maybe. to the rest of them. The scary, the scary thing about Fulham is, despite my antagonistic towards them and Twitter and stuff, they actually have held their gates in the championship when they came down, and that surprised me. I thought their gates would crumble like mad, but they didn't, which surprised me. But they're dead cheap, though, which... But they're also the worst football fans in the country, and them bloody clappers, they should be burned. <laughs> Carry on. Bradley Allen. Yes, he should player. be on the phone. Ex-QPR striker, now... Media pundit, and I think Tottenham he coach, Tottenham to... coach, all round He's a good egg. expert and good guy. Hopefully, is on the phone now. Bradley, thank you for joining us. You weren't at the game on Saturday, but you have seen us quite a lot lately. You were elsewhere. You must have been quite surprised when you saw that we we were four nil up. Well, yeah, I, you know, obviously always following the R scores, and you know, with the really difficult run of form that they've been in for a good number of months uh, and having recently seen them in the away game at Norwich uh, to see the uh, the lads get three early goals and in control of that game, it was um, it was a relief because it's probably been a really nervous time for everybody concerned. It, it hasn't been good enough. You know, you've got to face the facts and we've been nervously looking over our shoulders somewhat uh, and, and definitely... Uh, Put, um, put ourselves in a, a precarious position, but it was a, a vital win at the weekend. Uh, Bradley, it's Paul. 
Um, I'm just kind of thinking. You've you obviously cover a lot of um, matches and grounds and, and and different various league games and stuff like that. There, who is out there that QPR haven't? Do you think tapped into as, a, as could be a decent man to do the job at QPR? Well, you know we've we've, we've often spoken in the past about this thing, haven't we? Mm, you know yeah. the, the the situation that the club is now in, and I think I think there needs to be further clarity what's going on behind the scenes for the for the fans to be be privy to to uh, to important information. You know the level investment. Um, there's been, you know, this this ongoing issue about a permanent training facility. Will they get planning permission? Won't they get planning permission? This nonsensical talk, in my opinion, about moving from Loftus Road, maybe along to the Linford Christie Stadium. Perhaps that can, you know, uh, help the club in in financial terms. But but the the fans the fans need a bit of clarity here. And, and Queen's Park Rangers, you know, they're, they're not shopping at the designer shops anymore, which is really sad. You know, they've, they've got to look from putting better foundations in place. I think that's the the enormous mistake that they uh, that they made when they dipped their toe back into the uh, the Premier League. And really, they've they've had to, you know, probably with their arm behind their back, they've been able to return to that a little bit by promoting some young players who possibly as I've said before, are not quite ready to consistently perform at championship level. I think there needs to be an investment from outside, some help, because I think it's going to be another challenging season next season in the championship unless there's a bolstering to the first-team squad. Bradley, just to take you back, just explain what you mean when you say the nonsensical decision to move from Loftus Road. Well, well, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't think you know the the club needs a new stadium. I think Loftus Road always has been, always will be sufficient for Queens Park Rangers as, as a, a PLC, if you want to call it, to function. And you know, would would, would they garner another ten, fifteen thousand if they built a, a thirty thousand shiny new all seater? Pro- probably not. Not not unless they were maybe to to return to to the Premier League, so I, I I think they've got to be looking to do that a different way. And 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 Finn asked the question. You know, there have been a lot of names linked with the job. Um, that's obviously got to be discussed, and 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 that's got to be resolved in terms of, of, of appointment to be made. The one for me, I think, that understands the club. He's done his apprenticeship. He would know the lower leagues and be able to maybe pluck some gems and get them, you know, uh, really competitive at championship level would be Gareth Ainsworth for me. I, I, I think he, he, he more than deserves a shout now. Okay. Um, just going back to the ground thing, because I am part of the, the, the group, as it were, that's asking the fans what they want to do. The, the, the reasons that QPR... It's, there's not a lot we can do apart from match days with the ground um, facility wise and to build the community department and things like that and if the ground does go into decay and doesn't get redeveloped we will end up way outside the borough that's, but that's up to the fans probably that's what I want the fans to do is the fans to decide and say look either we want to stay at Loftus Road and just see what happens or try a new stadium 
see if we can get the community going, see if we can bring some extra revenue into the club that will be reinvested into players and so forth and, and bring the club up to speed in the modern football world, if that's possible. Yeah, I I perfectly understand that, Finn, but I think I think there's been some good, solid examples of football clubs that have got to the Premier League and done it the right way. You know, I look at Bournemouth. They haven't got the fan base Queen's Park Rangers have got by any means. Stoke, similar size, maybe slightly bigger club perhaps. Mm. Did it did it the right way and 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 had um you know some solid years at Premier League level and and that and I think they that's both where... had new grounds, Bradley. To 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 be fair, you're talking about two clubs that have quote unquote done it the right way, but they both got up to the Premier League after investing in new grounds. Well both the same ground but they've got a massive backer. Yeah, but it was but a complete it was a complete yeah. sort of moving yeah. redevelopment. Stokes are good you know, example. I, you know, the valid valid points for sure, but I, but I think, you know, Bournemouth Bournemouth Stadium is no bigger than Loftus Road and I it's think it's only its capacity is less than twenty thousand. So it's sort of a similar size ground. I get what Finn's saying about you know the uh, the corporate, the revenue streams. Um, possibly, uh, you know, QPR Stadium is, is is lacking a little bit because you know that's been uh, a bit limited compared to some other teams. And and you know on on match day for home grounds, what what you can sort of um, uh, accumulate is all further money going back into uh, to to your football club. So, you know that that's why I'm saying the. The, the off the, the, the field stuff is, is absolutely crucially important and the, these decisions. But I think more importantly, you know, QPR are now having to return to the days where they've got to promote from within. Mm-hmm. And I think, they've try, I think they're trying. I think they are. That doesn't happen overnight. That, that can take a decade, I'm afraid to say. That can take a long, long time. And, you know, if anything, maybe QPR are going to have to look at some other clubs who are developing young players who might not actually fit those clubs who then can come in and QPR at a younger, earlier age might be able to give them some, some senior football. And then hopefully they can then kick on and be of, of value and worth to the team. I think maybe that's something that they've tried to look at as well. The, the only thing that worries me is, and you know this, is you work in new football, is it? It's so hard in London now to attract players. I mean, I know Brentford scrapped their, their youth system yeah. completely and they're, they're feeding off um, other teams and doing it, to be fair, really successfully. If you look at the players they've sold, they're making an absolute fortune. Um, it just worries me that the top clubs and the one down the road especially are just racking and stacking anyone half decent and just no one is getting the sniff, Bradley. It's just, youth football seems so different to when you guys were kids. It's just, it's really scary. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree. I think I think, you know, that, that is something that hasn't really been addressed correctly. And and it has almost got to a stage a little bit with the with the haves and have nots and, and is it a level playing field? Possibly not with mm. this with this stock playing uh, stockpiling of, of of the very best young players. I think it's it's very, very difficult to 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 compete with that, you know, with these with these clubs owned by these owners who've got these petro dollars. You know, it's 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 so tough. Um and 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 they're not only recruited, you know, in their teenage years, you know, from from baby years really, oh, from the scary. ages between seven and twelve. It's extraordinary what's what's been going on. You know, I've been within that sector 
in my coaching role at Spurs, working with young players, trying to develop for many, many years. And it's it's very tough, Finn. It's not it's not easy because of these outside influences and this real heavy recruitment that's taking place. Mm, scary. So, Bradley, we talk about Gareth Ainsworth's name has come up a lot the last few weeks on this podcast, and it's generally always followed by at least one person saying words to the effect, well, what's, what's he actually done, uh, or, or along those lines. So lay out for everyone listening why you think he's the man and, and, and what credentials he brings and why he's at the right point to take this role. Well, I think he's proved that he's a developer of young players, firstly. Um, you know, there, there hasn't, you know, Wickham are another example of a club that have, um, you know, had to scrap, I think, some of their youth development. Um, there's hardly been any money at that club. So he, he, he's really had to sort of galvanise a, a, a team spirit and, and, and pretty much work with what is at his disposal. And, you know, we're, we're hearing that Queen's Park Rangers have, have massively got to slash their wage bill over the summer months um, before the start of the new season. So, you know, I, I think I think he could certainly go in and work with a much smaller squad. I think he could galvanise the team. I think the guy has got, you know, tremendous energy and enthusiasm. I, I think he would relish the opportunity because I think he was highly thought of um, in his playing days at, at, at Queen's Park Rangers. And, and and just sometimes, I think, you've got to have a punt on someone and give them a chance. And I think this, this guy's more than done his apprenticeship. And for me, he deserves an opportunity. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Bradley, thank you very much for joining us. Always really good to talk to you. You must pop down sometime, Bradley. We haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, I'd look forward to that. Good to talk to you guys. Cheers. Pleasure. Yeah, Thanks good man. a lot. Cheers, Bradley. Take Thanks care, again, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, bye. Such a lovely fella. Yeah, and very firm. In You often get kind of footballers, ex-players sitting on the fence, really, about what they think. You didn't get any of that no, no. with him. Well, clearly he loves the club, and that's, I'd rather players came on and were honest and played the, the party line and, and did the coach, media coaching thing. Um, yeah, I mean, even, I mean, going back to the ground issue, I, I get what he's saying, but just to explain things with the W12 group, it's about keeping QPR on W12, but... It's solely down to the fans. There's, there's no way to say influence. If the fans don't want to move, we won't move. It's it's probably the last chance to stay in W12, so we've got to make a decision one way or the other. But if the fans are happy to stay at Loftus Road, we stay at Loftus Road. If we don't, but what we don't want is people taking that decision out of our hands and moving it somewhere that we don't want to be. But the problem is income, right? The problem mm. is lack of income, limited income if you're not in the Premier League. If you're in the Premier League, fine. Everything gets sorted because of the TV money. But it's lack of income. And the business people who are running the club, which basically we're talking about Lee Hoos and his team, and Lee Hoos has not, I don't think, given us that many reasons to doubt him and doubt his judgment over the mm. few years that he's been in the role, are saying staying at Loftus Road is not sustainable. It limits our income. We need a bigger facility to bring in more money. And if you're not banking on that payday of the Premier League, then you have to do it through other ways. And their recommendation is we need we need a bigger stadium because there's no parking, there's no non-match day facilities and therefore there's no non-match day income and so on. And so there probably comes a point where maybe maybe it, it starts to make sense that we we, we do move on. Flo? Um, 
just to play devil's advocate, because I, you know, I'd see it from both sides. I love Loftus Road. It's a bit of a weird shed, but it's our mm-hmm. shed. Um, but I do understand that if you're not in the Premier League, you need some conference space. You need to be able to flog something else yeah. um, within the stadium. Bolton, the situation that's gone on there, I know, David, you've talked about staying in that hotel. Yes, the stadium. yes, yeah. They have conferences, they have corporate areas, they hold business din- dinners, whatever. They're obviously in a real terrible um, financial situation, which it seems like has been led by um, the powers that be there and, and it's kind of their responsibility. But is that something we could kind of look to and say you can't always necessarily win just by creating some kind of event space or just by building this because they're not solely in mm. that position because you know only however many thousand people are going to their games or they can't even sometimes get the games on there um that is somewhere that has that ability but they're struggling financially well, their benefactor passed away and with that the the whole thing just mm. everything around them just collapsed mm-hmm. And I would presume the lease in that isn't that great either. So this is the things you'd have to go in, hopefully, with a club and say, like, 200-year lease or whatever, um, protective tenant rights, and also community hub. That's the important thing. So it becomes part of the community and not just for football and conferences. It's everything that we get. At the moment, without going into too much, we're spread over everywhere. You've got a youth team here. You've got a youth, other youth team over there. You've got the first team training here. And you've got the ground over there. Everything's very much all over West London. We don't own anything. So with Warren Farm finally getting approval and that looking like it's going to go ahead pretty damn soon, once the spade goes in the ground there, we can then develop at every level and keep everyone at the same place. You actually have a product that you can take kids to and say, we're talking about youth team players. That's, you go to Harlington, doesn't mean anything. It's not us, it's owned by the college. But you go there and say, that is your, that's, this is where it starts. Then you can go, this is where it ends. Um, the other thing I would say is, whenever it's mentioned about the new ground, it's all about bigger um, but that's a bit of a misnomer, really. It's about versatile. And I think what they're looking for is not necessarily something that's much larger, but something that has many more uses. Yes. And that's the key. Yeah, it, people it's get not very hung up on, will we only yeah. have 13,000, so yeah. will we fill it? It doesn't matter, because no. that isn't where the revenue is going to come. We could probably play every week with no fans there and make as much money. But well, they Britain, they uh, say half the teams in the Premier League could play in front of no one well, and still them. make a profit. Yeah. I mean, it's, in it's, fact, actually probably make a bigger profit. Which is what people no don't like to hear, which is the ticket prices don't amount to that much yep. in modern football. Mm. Whilst they do for QPR... Yeah. Well, we'd level. have to price it. Listen, we'd have to price it properly. But this is not down to me, uh, the other people mm. in this thing, or anybody, any any of us. It's down to collective everyone, and everyone is equal, and everyone has an equal say. And you know, all we're doing is trying to make sure people are saying, "Oh, well, the club are doing this," and for years people are saying, "Why aren't fans involved?" Fans are involved, so we can help. And if anything is stodgy or it doesn't look right. I'll be the first to come out and speak out against it because I am a fan. It's a, it's about protecting Queen's Park Rangers. Mm-hmm. It's not about egos. It's not about doing it for yourself. It's about leaving a legacy for the next generation of QPR fans because Loftus Road is... The other thing is, can we do the ground up? Can we do? A, can we actually have a proper survey done that says that this cannot be redeveloped, this cannot be changed, this cannot be structurally changed, everything else? That's another thing. We just, because it will, in a 20 years' time, and trust me, it will be fit for purpose. Because it's already starting to go wrong. You know, it's had no development probably for years. There's a survey? Have I got that right? There's a survey? You, you can go on, yes. And how much was it? It's closing in two months. Okay. And that's for people to... And it's not about putting pressure on the council. It's about giving them a wee nudge and saying, look, because our biggest problem is we're not a one council club. 
mm-hmm. you know, there's three clubs in that borough, in our borough, and yeah. the council don't really, the guy that runs the council is probably a very nice fellow, but it doesn't seem to be football friendly. So we need to tell them that we exist, we're here, and QPR can raise the right amount well, If someone's money. not football friendly, you've got a reason to doubt them automatically, <laughs> don't you? Well, no, but you can win them over, and I would say we win them over by showing them what QPR does. It's not just a football club, mm. the stuff we do with Grenfell, the stuff we do with the Tiger Cubs, the stuff we do with the OAPs. You know, we are much more than 90 minutes on a Tuesday or Wednesday or a Sunday or a Saturday. Mm. We're much more than that, and we need to be much more than that, and that needs to be driven through, that we go back to being a community club, and the club should and always will belong to the fans. Come, owners will come and go, but we need to have somewhere to stay. Was that your R's end? No, nah, you're all right. <laughs> Sounds like a good moment to move on to the R's end. Oh, right. Does it not? It, well, yes. Well, it's up to David, you, you tell us. It's time for the R's end. <laughs> the final portion of the podcast, flow. Oh, I'm not ready. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me... Mine's a very simple one whilst you're all thinking of yours, which is... To remind everyone that we have our live podcast coming up very soon. Thank, it's sold out. We have Ian Holloway coming, and it is sold out. Not it even standard room only. There is now only waiting list only. Restrictive view. It's we are done. We're, yeah. we're done. If you for if you want to be put on the waiting list, which if tickets become available, then people on the waiting list will get them in the order that they went on the waiting list. Go on our website qprpod.co.uk. Think, click on QPR Pod Live. Uh, which is at the top, and then you can register to go on the waiting list. Um, Ian Holloway is coming, as I've said. It's going to be a really good what night. What he's going to talk of, about? 8th of May, Wednesday not the 8th the of May. Not that, what? Not the oh, single. Oh, that was the April, April Fool. Fool. On the April Fool, we said the single was the guest. No, <laughs> Ian Holloway will be there. Oh, it fooled um, me. That'd be just as entertaining. Yeah, exactly. So thank you to everyone. Thank you to everyone who has bought a ticket. It's coming down. It's going to be a good night. The Wednesday after the bank holiday, the Wednesday after Sheffield Wednesday away and the final game of the season. Have I filled for long enough for the three of you to know your R's end? Absolutely not. Flo. (laughs) So... (laughs) You're still thinking, aren't you? Um, No, I was trying to think of something positive to sort of say, but... It's actually quite hard. Well, why don't you give um, us your Blackburn and Derby predictions then? No, no Gavin Ars end. Um, Gavin Ars end first, David. Come on, everyone's entitled to the Ars end. I, oh, I, okay. I uh, let me let me think. Um, whatever happens with the manager situation, um, I just hope that they do something a bit positive. <laughs> Yeah, Rach didn't have one. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have one. That was really, I was really reaching there. I was scraping the barrel. Sorry, my mind went blank. I'm feeling tired. But yeah, um, I just I'm Who quite would you confused. have as the manager? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know where to begin. Part of me kind of sort of nostalgic-wise wants to go for Ainsworth and the other half of me is like, he's not experienced enough. It's a terrible idea. Do you know what not enough people are saying? What? I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't Everybody know. feels like they have to have an opinion <laughs> um, or give the wrong opinion. I haven't even really thought about it. I just keep checking that it's not Sherwood. That's all I care about <laughs> is that it's not Sherwood. Don't really care about what? who else might get it. Why would you not want Sherwood? Because I, I, I've been... People are saying... You didn't want Sherwood. I don't, but two, people have tried years. to say things that like he did this at um, Spurs. He won the under-23 league, or him second, whatever. Um, I just don't like him. It's what? not about his, yeah, it's not about his achievements. It's about his... I think the way he leads clubs, his style, I think he's a 
a human grenade, I think he will just upset a lot of people. And he uh, took two I want down. the manager that the director of football wants because yeah, it's, it should be his call finally. Um, call his bluff or whatever, whatever the whatever the phrase oh, is. Give him a back him, back him or yeah. sack him. If he who he wants should be the manager that we appoint. It's oh, actually, my hours end is um, please can season tickets be reduced in price? Thanks. Okay. We don't have that power, but we'll see what we can do. Um, Because the quality is so poor. Nah, not on Saturday it wasn't. (laughs) Not on Saturday. I'm renewing mine tonight and I just feel like I can't even believe I'm going through the process. I think Mm. mine gets renewed automatically because I'm doing it on the uh, Tic Tac. You know, we pay monthly. So I think mine gets... That's definitely the wrong rhyming slang, isn't it? (coughs) Tic-tac. Is it tic-tac? Oh, no, no, no. Is it tic Is it tic tac sack? Probably. Well, okay. Anyway, no, we know what you mean. We know what you mean. Ding, ding. Alan. Well, <laughs> bizarrely, I was going to say about the manager as well. My view was just take your time. We're not in a rush. Mm. Yeah. Um, We're safe now, more or less. Yeah. And if you've got your money on us going down, you're going to win quite a lot. So, um, but um, no, no. But the club needs to take their time. Get the right man for the job. And likewise, I don't know who it is. I think they need to take their time, even if we were going down. Because oh, well, no one, someone so either would or wouldn't stop it now. You wouldn't have a... There's no strategic way to stop it now, mm, yeah, if you true. see what I mean. Yeah. It would just be someone would either get lucky or they wouldn't. Mm. And if they didn't, you'd waste more time, more money. Yeah. So actually, I think I agree with you, but take yeah. your time, whatever the outcome yeah. is. Mm. Paul? It's, it's a shame you couldn't... Well, I, I would like to see them speak to Ainsworth, Kenny Jacket and people like that who... Bertram, he was there on Saturday. He was there on Saturday, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure they know Birch very well as we do, and Birch will bring a lot of things to the club, and he knows the players, and again, it'd be the director of football's choice. Um, but Not for you. Um, you can say you love Mark Bertram, but you wouldn't have no, him no, as No, 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 I, I do That's love Mark Bertram as a person, and, um, and, and, and as a player, but I don't know what his coaching levels are. I don't know what his coaching badges are. So no, are. you wouldn't have Mark Birchard. Mm. You can have, say that, Paul. Yeah, I would have him as part of the coaching staff. Right, fair enough. So can I just, one more thing, actually. The other thing I think we need to do in the choice of a manager is to reduce the number of coaches. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, so you look at our bench, yeah, yeah. too many people, too many There's a lot of mint green jackets. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, um, yeah. Uh, there th- needs to be a purge. A Reduce purge. the mint green is the title of this podcast, <laughs> I, think. I think. I think what we need to do is we need to... Mint green reduction. We need to... I mean, is it, I think... Was it Clive or someone else? I can't even remember. All, all these podcasts rolled into one. That all the people in the stand as well, like, you know, in the... There's an extra green. bench. Yeah, there's not. There's a bench there's a behind bench the bench. Yeah. We're turning to Man City, aren't we? You know, so the, many clipboards. M- I mean, what have you even got on there? Clipboards, earpieces. Playing Pictionary or something. That's just Paul I mean, Morrison. I mean, basically, yeah. when we went up on the Warnock, it was just him and his coaching staff, and that was it. You know, and you, you didn't. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate the beautiful game and make it some of the things it's not. It's basically we need to score more than them and not concede as many and try and entertain the crowd. We do that, we'll all be happy. Paul, complete the podcast for us. Oh, the hours end. Um, May I end is, 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 is a shout out to my good friend Alan, Alan Blue. Can you please shut up about Crusaders getting to the Irish Cup final and how crap Glenn Torn are? Mm, niche, but sure. <laughs> no, all like, every. Oh, I thought it, my season yeah, ticket plea was yeah, bad. Oh, good no, one. Like, you've no idea. Every time my Irish. I mean, you're literally talking to one person. I am. But it's, it's one person that just sends me a message yeah. every time Glenn Torn loses. It's doing me head okay, And I go to Northern Ireland trips with him, and he's a lovely fella, but he needs to wind it in. Anyone that winds you up is a friend of mine. Thanks, Alan. Was is that it? your R's end? No, my R's okay. end is 
Wasn't it nice to see everyone with a smile on the face Saturday? They, you know, just, just it's been a really long season. It was so nice to see everyone hugging each other after the game. Everyone enjoying themselves. That's QPR. That's why we go. That's what it's about. Very good. Predictions for the two games before the next podcast, which is Blackburn and Derby. I, I think we'll... What's that? I think it was... Like cat. Rumbling somewhere. I thought it was a cat. Go on. Um, I think we'll beat Blackburn 2 0, and I think we'll beat Derby 1 0 away. <laughs> and we'll sign some more if one day was going to say that. I think I? we will get three points from the two games. Oh, in what order? I think we'll beat Blackburn. Okay. Alan? Uh, Blackburn win, Derby, horrible defeat, I think. Really? Flo? Agreed. Okay. What? Agreed, agreed to the, the horrible defeat at Derby and the win against Blackburn. Do you know what worries me about this podcast, Flo? And I'm going to be honest. Me and you are not going to get any stick for this. We haven't said anything controversial at oh, all. Oh, we'll find something. Don't <laughs> worry. Oh, good, don't good. worry, don't worry. It would have been dull, wouldn't it, if no one actually said that we were talking crap? <laughs> I mean, the Crusaders reference to yeah, one person. But you, you did you you did, did, like, look, did well. Say, oh, we were worried yeah. about you because for 45 minutes you were sort of just talking sense to everyone oh, and then went off and I did that so well done okay, uh, thank, you. thank you very much for listening podcast is back next week after the bank holiday uh, this has been Open All Oz you Oz you Rangers are